Welcome, everybody, to Season 1, Episode 3 of the Scary Savannah and Beyond Podcast. I'm your host, Brett, and with me, as always, is the lovely Crystal. Hi. 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 Hey, this week's episode, we're going to be talking about one of the most famous locations in the entire Savannah area, especially to people who are into the paranormal and just, well, beautiful places to be, honestly. As we've said before, if you want to reach us, our phone number here is 912-406-2899. Once again, that's 912-406-2899. You can find us online at www.scarysavannahandbeyond.com. And if that's too much typing, www.scarysavannah.net. We're also on social media at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All three of them use the user at Scary Savannah. So we just got back from a Vegas trip. We're actually heading back out to Vegas after we record this episode. But um, you want to tell them a little bit about our trip, Crystal? Well, we did visit Binion's, but we didn't find any ghosts or see anything paranormal or anything like that, did we? I, I don't know if we didn't see anything paranormal. Uh, on <laughs> we the saw streets, some scary things, not necessarily. There's no way some of those dudes dancing in Old Vegas were not ghosts, is all I'm saying. it's They they did not seem like natural humans. Uh, we This time we plan to go to um, the Apache Hotel if we can and check that out. We didn't get We didn't get a chance to do that on the last trip. Did you look into that yet? I'm going to do that <laughs> later on tonight. Might do it on airplane. Who knows? We'll figure that out. So today's episode is about what? Bonaventure Cemetery. And would you like to read uh, this little saying we've got? Uh, There's an excerpt from a writer here that gives a pretty good description of what this place entails. I gazed awe-stricken as one new arrived from another world. Bonaventure is called a graveyard, a town of the dead, but the few graves are powerless in such a depth of life. The rippling of living waters, the song of birds, the joyous confidence of flowers, the calm, undisturbable grandeur of the oaks mark this place of graves as one of the Lord's most favored abodes of life and light. And that was by John Muir from his book Camping Among the Tombs in 1867. And I think that like perfectly sums up what you experience at Bonaventure. Yes. What do you think? It does. And we've been in a lot of cemeteries. Everybody's been in cemeteries. And when you hear that, if you haven't seen it, you'd probably just think it's like any other place you've been. But this really could be classified as an oasis almost, especially in the spring when the flowers are blooming. Yeah, it's famous for the azaleas blooming and camellias. We got to check it out this spring. Finally, we always miss it because it's only like a week or two when everything's really blooming. But we made it this year. Yeah, and Bonaventure is not located directly in the historic district of Savannah, but is just off to the east in a small city by the name of Thunderbolt, which I thought was an odd name for a city, but, you know. I think it's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. We definitely visit there a lot to play some bingo, right? (laughs) Yeah. We lose a lot of money there. That's how we get amped up for Vegas. The name Bonaventure, what does that mean, Crystal? It means good fortune. Ooh, 
that sounds enticing. It can also be described, and this is another quote we have, as a place so beautiful that almost any sensible person would choose to dwell here with the dead rather than with the lazy, disorderly living. And I've never heard a statement sound more like something that would have come out of your mouth than anything ever. (laughs) You have no tolerance for lazy, disorderly things. I don't. I would rather live in Bonaventure than deal with lazy, disorderly people. (laughs) He certainly would. So you will find Bonaventure right off of the Wilmington River in the small city of Thunderbolt. It is in between Savannah and Tybee. So if you head east from the historic district down Highway 80, also uh, President Street, then you'll hit it and it'll be on your left and you'll see signs that tell you how to get there. And how, how has it been described by others? Um, someone describes it as heaven's playground. Okay. That's um, pretty interesting. Yeah. And from what I've read, as many as just shy of half a million people per year are thought to come through the cemetery. Um, not just visitors, but also families of the people interred there, funeral attendees, and um, quite a few tour groups. However, none of these tour groups are going to be giving you a ghost tour, so if you're coming here for that, you're going to be slightly disappointed because that is due to the city of Savannah's regulations regarding cemeteries. They say you need to respect the dead. I don't see how you can't go hear some stories and still respect the dead, but that is their rule, and You can take tours, but it's just going to be historical tours. But believe me, you're not going to get shorted. If you get one of the good hosts that own one of these tours, we have one that is especially good. We've been on his tour several times and and enjoy it quite a bit. Yeah, we go at least once a year. So you want to describe a little bit what this place looks like? You've already given the quote from the book that talks about it. But maybe we can talk a little bit more about what people would actually experience when they visit Bonaventure. Well, the Victorians believed in treating their cemeteries as gardens because death was so common in that era that they just decided to embrace it and make it a beautiful thing instead of something to be feared. The property is lined with hundreds of live oak trees, and they're just dripping with Spanish moss, which is so beautiful. And we talked about Spanish moss in a previous episode. And what was it they called that? Grandfather's beard? Yeah, grandpa's beard or something. Grandpa's beard. Okay, sorry. I want to be, I got to be formal about it. Well, that's informal, (laughs) I guess. So, And the flowers you'll find there are azaleas and camellias. And they're everywhere. Yeah. And the azaleas, I don't know where all you can find azaleas in the U.S. We come from North Carolina. They have them there. We have them down here. They may be all over the place. But for about 27 minutes, you can see these things bloom, and they're amazing. And then the flowers fall off. Not another flower. For the whole rest of the year, it's just a regular-looking bush. Mm -hmm. And you would never know how beautiful they can be when they bloom. If you're planning a trip here, try to make sure you come here when the flowers are blooming. It's usually March or April. Yes, depending depending on what our climate's doing. It it pops up different times, but usually around that time. Uh, This cemetery is quite old. In In a minute, we will talk about the actual age. But some of the trees and the markers in the cemetery are well over 150 years old. And actually... The other cemetery in Savannah, well, there's more than one, but the one we're going to speak about in an upcoming episode, Colonial Cemetery, uh, there were some 18th century bodies that were moved over from that cemetery, which is in downtown Savannah beside the uh, large Catholic church. 
you'll also find a lot of wrought iron, marble, and concrete fences. And obelisks. Yes, and many obelisks. And some of them are quite tall. Fences that you see, some of them are... You can tell they're very old. They're hanging off the hinges. Some of them have just disintegrated. But it's it's something that looks like it should be in a horror movie to me. A lot of them are really creepy, as you like to say. I do like to say that, and I'm going to do my best to not say that word in this episode. There's a uh, another statement here from an old newspaper. Uh, would you like to read this one, Crystal? The allure of Bonaventure Cemetery has captivated many. The New Orleans picket... Picayune. 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 I don't know. The New Orleans Picayune newspaper. The New Orleans Picayune newspaper published a letter from a woman named Belle Britton in 1858 that tells the story of a clergyman who was so smitten with the beauty of death that he plunged himself into the Wilmington River. He committed suicide with the hopes of being buried in Bonaventure, convinced that only there, amongst the elaborate monuments and towering obelisks, could he rest in peace for all of eternity. Wow. That I, seems extreme. That but. seems like going a little bit off the deep end there. I don't. I mean, it's beautiful, but I'm not sure it's worth committing suicide. Walk in there and be like, "Man, these azaleas <laughs> are the bomb." Please bury me under Crystal, an azalea. <laughs> hold my non-alcoholic <laughs> beverage as I toss myself into the Wilmington River. Yeah, I wonder if he got buried there. I think he did because I did? think uh, one of the tour guides we took told us about that story, oh. and I believe he said that he did. I don't know. Well, I hope it was worth it. <laughs> Somehow, I doubt it. I doubt it. Yeah. So, I'm going to give you a little of a brief history about the cemetery itself. It was actually started in 1762 when John Mulron and his family purchased the land and started the Bonaventure Plantation. Interesting. Yeah. So, it was a plantation. Yes. They lived along the St. Augustine Creek which is now known as the Wilmington River. When you go there now, you'll see all of the live oak trees, and these trees are absolutely massive, and they're a sight to behold. But they planted the first avenues of those trees about 15 feet apart. And we've seen some images of very early days in Savannah, and you just assumed the trees were massive then. But a lot of the art that you see, the trees just... Aren't that aren't they aren't there? I mean, well, yeah, they planted them, so I, I it don't takes know how a long, long time for it to mature. <laughs> a long time, but they, I mean, I can't imagine Savannah without the towering live oak trees. That's the the image of this city outside of the fountain at Forsyth Park. I think. Yeah, and um, so John Mulrine was a staunch loyalist, and he and his son-in-law. Joseph Tatnell, they got in trouble for, um, they were banished for helping Governor James Wright in 1776 escape to Britain. Ooh, that sounds like a bad thing to do right around that time. Yeah, they helped him get on a British ship. Them's the bad guys. They were banished from, I guess, Savannah? I I would assume so. Yeah, so they... um, That's a lot better than getting banished from existence. (laughs) Which may have happened, I don't know, yeah. In 1782, the Bonaventure Cemetery, having belonged to the Loyalists, was confiscated by the city and sold to, here's a name you're going to see around the city a lot, John Habersham. Yeah, there's a street named after him and a street in Bonaventure as well. Sounds a lot like haberdashery. Yeah, I like that word. And I love haberdasheries because I'm a big fan of hats. I've never... Well, I guess I have been in haberdasheries. Even the ones in the malls are still technically haberdasheries, right? Yeah. 
I guess. Um, but it was purchased back in 1785 by Tattnall's son, Josiah Jr., who later became the governor of Georgia. Wow. And, and they, you know what else they did? What'd they do? They established the first cemetery of Savannah. In Bonaventure? Yes, <laughs> I think. I think so. <laughs> We're going to say that. Anybody wants to fact check us, like I said, we got a phone number. I say it at the beginning and the end of every episode. We are more than happy to correct anything we get wrong. We'd love to hear from you. So let us know. So a story I love about the early Bonaventure days was, of course, there was a main house at one point where they lived and um, they were throwing a party as, as they usually do. Yeah, that's usual. And the house caught fire. But, As you do in Savannah. <laughs> it's not good if it doesn't end in, in flames. So um, they didn't figure this was a good enough reason to end the party, so they just took it outside. And so they had the servants carry all the tables and chairs, and the dinner party continued. Um, this is probably not true, but... I would like to think that it probably was true. They say at the end of the party, the host took his glass and smashed it against an oak tree and all the guests followed suit. Wow. Now that's how you end a party. That that really it is. It sounds like a good time. I mean, I smash glass bottles and things of that nature, but not because I'm being cool about it. I'm just clumsy. <laughs> well, at least you didn't smash our coffee table. No, the, we, we can thank the kids for that. Speaking they of tried that, to blame that on the dog. We have a large, it's it's probably about two, three feet in diameter, yeah, maybe, yeah. Uh, coffee table with a glass top. And our kids were here watching the football game. We came home. They're like, oh, no, the dog smashed <laughs> the coffee table. And they actually thought that we would believe that. Yeah, we don't believe You can't them. pull the wool over Crystal's eyes, though. No. So, so she, somebody owes me $126 yeah. to replace that glass. And they're probably listening to this podcast, probably just turn it mummy. off. Yeah, Vin Mummy. The Bonaventure Historical Society confirms that the cemetery was indeed a former plantation and that the mansion on the estate caught fire twice. Once was in 1771 and again in the year 1800. However, and this will come as a shock to you, there isn't any evidence that either fire had anything to do with interrupting a party. Yeah, but I like to believe it's true. And we it's will more both fun believe that way. it's true. So going forward a little bit more of the history, in 1846, Josiah III sold the property to Peter Wiltberger. He intended to develop 70 acres into a public cemetery. So it seems like by the 1830s and 40s, the oak trees have matured into that dense canopy. But so how many years would that be? If it was you 17. Know, so, so it must take like 30, 40 years for the trees okay. to grow. And in the year 1907, the cemetery was purchased by the city of Savannah and became the fourth of five cemeteries that they currently own. So it's a really large cemetery. It's over 100 acres. So it can take you all day to wander around and... It will take you all day just to try to walk across it. It has nothing to do with even looking at the graves. It is phenomenally massive. Yeah, we usually do it in sections. Like we'll go visit certain sections every time and yeah, mix it up. So when you come up to the cemetery, it's sort of tucked out of the way. You've got to turn down a side street. You come around it and there's a curve and the cemetery entrance is right off of this curve. So the first thing you see when you pull up are some large iron gates outside of the cemetery. And they look as gothic as you would think they probably would based off our description so far. They 
have symbols on them. They are impressive, to say the least. As you pull into that gate, immediately to your right is the caretaker house. But now it's just used as an office and um, where you can book your tour. Yeah, yeah, and that's where the restrooms are, too, and that's very important to me (laughs) because I always need to know wherever we are, there's two things I need to know. Number one, where are the restrooms? And number two, can I park here? Those are <laughs> how the two hard most is it important. going to be to park? How hard is it going to be Is there enough park? parking? This is literally how we determine our vacations. We look at how hard is it going to be for Brett to park his car. Yeah, that's like number one on the list. It that's really why is. in Vegas we use Uber. Uber, baby. <laughs> Call us up. Or Lyft. Sponsorship. <laughs> You'll see the caretaker house. It's an impressive house. Typically, you're going to park, and you can park pretty much anywhere you want in the cemetery. Along, yeah, you can park on the little streets and just pull over to the side. You don't have to park in the parking lot. Yeah, so you can basically drive, and that way you could save some walking if you're not into long walks. And they do, and this actually will help you for that. And it's another the next part of what you see in the front of the cemetery. As soon as you there is a park, a small parking lot, right? As soon as you come into the gate, and you will see a large stone directory that shows the layout of Bonaventure and the streets and where you can find various sections in the in the park. We're going to bring this into not necessarily a spooky connection, but uh, another thing that we see a lot of around here is Freemasonry and things that are related to that. And if you look at the marker and see the shape of the cemetery and the way the streets line it out, it resembles a large skull, does it not? It does, and you wouldn't even know that unless someone pointed it out. So if you're there, check it out. Yeah, and once they point it out to you, you cannot you miss see, it. Yeah, you you will it. not help but see it, and it's it's like the profile of a large skull, right? Turn to the side. Yeah. So masonry, Freemasonry is very big in the belief of higher power. I don't think they're very descriptive as to what it exactly is, but you've seen the all-seeing eye on our dollar bill, so... The eye has an important significance to Masons, and if you look into the skull, the most desirable graves that were there are located in what would be the eye of the skull. Interesting. Yeah, it is. Another thing you'll see at the entrance of Bonaventure is Gaston's tomb. Gaston's tomb, the stranger's tomb, was built to honor the memory of Savannah's perfect host, William Gaston, who died in 1837. In death, he remained the perfect host by providing a temporary resting place in his mausoleum for visitors who die in the city. The structure was moved from Colonial Cemetery to the entrance at Bonaventure in 1873. Along with the remains of Gaston were two unmarked strangers' coffins. And if I know my Stephen King, both of those had vampires in it, right? Most likely. Yeah, and of course they're at Bonaventure. So. I don't even remember seeing this tomb. I, did we see it? I, I'm pretty sure we did. I can't. I might have just it. made this whole thing up. I don't uh. know. You know who who can tell? So another thing you can see, and actually, I think in the eye of the cemetery, you'll find some graves with this little device. But you want to tell them about the your favorite TV show from the nineties, Saved by the Bell. Yeah. Yes. Now, Death where did bells. that come from? Um, well, being buried alive was actually sort of common in the Victorian era, and people were scared to be buried alive, obviously, because. Who wants to be buried alive? So someone <laughs> someone invented the death bells. So these would be bells above ground and there would be a string like running underground and attached to the body's head, hands, or feet. 
Mm-hmm. And if the bell rang, the cemetery watchman would insert a tube into the coffin and pump air using bellows until the person could be safely removed. Okay. So. I wonder how many times this actually happened. So picture this. I'm not going to say Sicily. I'm going to say <laughs> picture this. Bonaventure, 1800s. You're the caretaker. It's nighttime. Nobody's out there. There's a fog because, of course, there's going to be a fog. But imagine that you're that guy and you hear the bell ring and it's nighttime and the fog's rolling in. And, of course, there's a full moon because why wouldn't there be a full moon in this scenario? Are you going to run over by yourself in the dark in the graveyard? And what if you forgot to bring the tube that night? Yeah. What if you you just run over <laughs> or the bellows don't work? What and then you just go get eaten do? by the ghost dogs we're gonna talk about in oh just a minute. Goodness. Yeah. Can you imagine? I wonder how many times this actually worked. Probably not even once, I'm thinking. Mm. Yeah. I like even. to hope it did. That would be yeah. so cool. That would be cool. Maybe we should look it up. We should. Another section in the cemetery are the veterans' graves. And this is where people that served in various Military battles are buried. You know, there's a lot of World War II graves there. A lot of them very similar. And uh, yeah, they're all like identical and in a line, and they all have the same marking on it. An interesting thing to see, especially you know, I've got family that served in World War II, so it, it's you see the names, you see how long they lived, and you just wonder what they saw when they were there. You know, yeah. there is supposedly. Now, this is a story we were told on a tour. There's a large vault in Bonaventure. You, you won't be able to mistake it when you find it. There's a, it's a huge concrete slab. Almost looks like half of a basketball court. Yeah, it's huge. And that's near a gravesite of a famous musician. And we were told, and this ties back to the Masonic connection, that underneath that was a library as well as a meeting room with a lot of very old and important books. And no one is allowed to go in there. Our tour guide, actually, they they had an issue with flooding, I think is what had yeah. happened. So they were opening it up to go do something. But they wouldn't let people go in. But they did allow him to walk to the stairs. So he said that he was able to not see much, but did verify the existence of the fact there was a place to go under this tomb. I don't understand why anyone would want to go like have an underground library in a because in a graveyard. You're not a mason. You don't understand the mysteries, I guess. But I'm thinking honestly, if there's anything under there, it's probably just a small room where maybe people went to honor the dead, maybe. These people were so rich. They just had all of these. When you see the monuments, you'll be like, a monument like you would see in Bonaventure today. I can't imagine how much it would cost to replicate one know, of those in today's money. Tons of statues and angels and Yes. And when we say angels, we're talking life size and bigger than life size sculptures on these various monuments and markers. And I'm telling you, you take your camera with you when you go because you're gonna get a lot of good pictures. We'll post some pictures on our website of yeah. pictures of that we took when we were there earlier this year. Okay, so now we'll go through just a few of the notable graves there. And then after we wrap that up, we'll go into a little bit of what makes it a haunted cemetery. Which, what cemetery isn't haunted, though? Well, this one definitely is. Oh, for sure. One of my favorite graves to visit is Johnny Mercer. Okay, tell them about Johnny Mercer. 
Who was Johnny Mercer? He was a songwriter in the 1940s, and he wrote over 1,500 songs. That's a lot of songs, very prolific. Uh, a lot of his songs were hits for himself, but he also wrote songs for others, and you've definitely heard his work. Uh, one for My Baby and One More for the Road. That's definitely a crooner one there, right? Yeah. Um, I Guessed It Was You All the Time. Yeah. Fools Rush In. Yeah. Autumn Leaves, and everybody knows Jeepers Creepers. You've ever watched a Bugs Bunny cartoon from the real days, and you know what I mean when I say the real days, not this nonsense they've got now. You've heard them sing Johnny Mercer songs, especially Jeepers Creepers, Where'd You Get Them Peepers? You know what I'm saying? And um, he also wrote Moon River. Yeah, yeah, that's one, and uh, Moon River actually is near here. It's uh, near Skidaway Island, right? It is. We drove by there one time, actually, and we saw the sign that said Moon River, and I'm like, oh, that's actually Moon River. It must be where he wrote the song. Anyway. I just thought it was a brewery. I didn't know it was <laughs> It is also place, a brewery. Which we will talk about on a future episode. it is episode. also haunted. Supposedly the most haunted place in Savannah, based on who you're talking to. So, yeah. So, yeah. um... At his um, grave site, it's pretty large, and his, he's buried there with his um, his wife and his mother and some other people. And there's a bench, um, and it's inscribed with a caricature that he created. And a lot of the song titles are engraved on the bench. His wife's grave is inscribed with, You Must Have Been a Beautiful Baby, which he also wrote. Yeah, way to brag. <laughs> way to brag. And uh, he's pretty famous around here. He lived in Savannah when he was young, and there's actually a statue of him in Ellis Square. Yes, it's right there where all the bands go to play. They call that area City Market, and it's got a lot of restaurants. They block part of that road off so that it's only for foot traffic, and this statue's right on the square, and he's leaning against, I think, a fire hydrant or a chair or something, but I've taken many pictures with this statue, and I'm proud to say that I'm taller than Johnny Mercer. Yeah, he was really short. Yeah, he was quite short compared to me, and I'm under six feet, so. Yeah. I think he was like 5'4". Wow, that's a short dude. Yeah. Good thing he's a musician. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So another person buried in Bonaventure is Mary Telfair. She was a daughter of a prominent Savannah family, and she founded um, the first women's hospital. Yeah, and it's got an interesting story to it, too. Yeah, we may talk about that. Well, I'm going to say a little something at the end of the story because there's a little bit of ghostly activity involving Mary Telfair. About her house? No, maybe. <laughs> it's about her. So oh. we'll uh, we'll get to that, the hauntings. But this brings us up to, I think, Crystal's favorite thing in the cemetery. So one of my most favorite graves is Corinne Elliott Lawton. And this plot is huge, and it has a couple of statues, and one of them is a life-sized Corinne Elliot Lawton. And is the most, I'm going to say it, I'm sorry, is the most creepiest thing in this entire cemetery. It's beautiful, I think. He thinks it's creepy because of the eyes, I believe. Because it's terrifying. Yeah, it's she's... Terrifying. Um, it's her, and she's like leaning on some stairs, and she has a crown in her hand, which some say indicates that she committed suicide, but that's probably just a rumor. I saw somewhere that they believe that she actually died from yellow fever. Yeah, um, or maybe pneumonia. They just said that she died after a short illness, and but the story is that... That sort she, of sounds like suicide also. Yeah, 
The story is that she was engaged to a man she didn't want to marry, but her family wanted her to marry him. So instead of marrying him, she killed herself. And Now that's pretty extreme. Her statue is inscribed with the words, Allured to brighter worlds and led the way. That is, I think, an inspiring inscription. Yeah, I guess. I think it's beautiful. It is beautiful, but it sounds like something that would be on like a suicide note. Um, well, her, her statue is facing away from the others. Uh, there's a statue of what they say is St. Peter or Jesus. I don't know. I He's can't standing, tell, but either way. Standing in a gateway, and her back terrible. is turned to him, and the crown is, is drooping in her hand. So that that's the reason they say she committed suicide, but it's probably not true. Well, if you look at the statue, it looks like she's sort of sighing to me. Like she's like leaning over and she's either exasperated or depressed or unhappy or something. Does not look like a happy statue. No, she doesn't look happy. But they say that the statue smiles sometimes. Ooh. I've never seen it. Ooh. I don't know if I could take that. That statue <laughs> starts smiling at me. We done. Yeah. Back to North Kakalaki. So. There's a, another grave over near this grave that houses a very famous poet named Conrad Aiken. Have you heard of Conrad Aiken? I have. I thought you might have. Conrad Aiken was a famous American Pulitzer Prize winning author and poet who was born and raised in Savannah, Georgia. His inspiration for most of his work, they say, is his troubled childhood. He actually um, was asleep, and his father killed his mother and then himself. And so he had to run out of the house with his younger siblings and get help. Yeah, and he didn't just commit suicide. He shot her and then shot himself. Yeah, so he had that to deal with. So I can't imagine how horrific that would have been. So, But Conrad himself... Uh, Passed away in 1973. He was still residing in Savannah at the time. And he was buried in Bonaventure. And, and another interesting thing, which ties back to Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, is the bench beside his grave, right? Yeah, he wanted a bench there so that people could come and enjoy a glass of wine and have a picnic. If you've seen the movie, and I've seen it, but I fell asleep on it, I think at least twice, so I didn't make it to this point. But there's apparently a rather graphic scene involving the bench that we won't go into detail about, but that is what draws people's interest in the bench. Yeah, I wouldn't sit on it if I were oh, you. Oh, no. no. <laughs> it, uh, it is used in a scene in the Clint Eastwood movie, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, which is based on the novel. Written by John Barrett. Okay, yeah. So... Probably the thing that everyone thinks of when they think of Bonaventure is the statue of the bird girl, right? Yeah, it's on the cover of the book. Yeah, but sad to say, you will not find that statue anywhere in Bonaventure Cemetery anymore. They removed it in 1996, and now if you want to see the bird girl, you'll have to go to Jepson Center, and that's in Telfair Square. Yeah, they had to remove it because people would continuously mess with it, touch it. It was... They were worried it would be damaged, and it was just drawing undue attention. That goes also back with way City of Savannah wants you to respect the graves and the memories. And if you have uh, people showing up and just trampling everything and destroying property, that doesn't really go towards their mission. 
Another person buried here is Jesse McKeithen, and most people have probably never heard of him, but he has a really interesting story, and we will do an episode about him in the future. That is going to be a true crime episode. Yeah, it's true crime, which is also one of my favorite things. And I'm intentionally not going to learn a lot about it just so that I can react to it as she reads to me, but I do know a little bit about it, and I know it was a pretty horrific murder. It was. Yeah. And also, silent film actress Edith Chapman's buried here. Yes, she is. Georgia's first governor, Edward Telfair. Yeah. Noble Jones is buried here. He was the founder of the Wormslow Plantation, which I think we'll probably end up doing a story on also. Wormslow Plantation is gorgeous. If you've seen any magazine about Savannah, you've probably seen it because that's what they use. That's where the scene where Forrest is running down the road and they're, run, Forrest, run. And it's also where our daughter just got engaged. Yes. Congratulations, Kylie and Ben. (laughs) Who else is buried here? Oh, I'll tell you who else is buried here. Somebody that you may have heard in one of your radio stations because we listen to the the old jazz. In the 1930s and 40s. The old jazz. We listen to that. We do, but I doubt anyone else has ever heard it. You may not have heard of this. If you haven't, you should go check it out because why wouldn't you when you hear the name of the song? The song is titled hard-hearted hannah the vamp of savannah Mm. and is believed to be based on this woman named eleanor whitaker a song you should go check out i actually to be honest with you had not heard it before until we listened to it but crystal was familiar with it so i think um who sang it a lot of people uh, i don't know who originally did it maybe we'll put it in the show notes we'll check it out put it in the show notes so another person buried in Bonaventure Cemetery is one of the sculptors of many monuments, and that was John Waltz. He died in 1922 and was interred in the Bonaventure Cemetery. He is best known, at least around here, for his creation of the Gracie statue. And Little Gracie is the most famous ghost and attraction of Bonaventure by far. So Gracie was only six years old when she died, unfortunately. So her statue is of her as a six-year-old wearing a little dress. And she's so cute. And everyone loves to come and visit her grave. And they leave her toys and gifts. Yeah, dollars, um, flowers, flowers. various things like that. They put a fence around her grave because it was just too much attraction. Like people were just messing with it. Kind of like the bird girl statue. So. They had to put a fence around it so you can't actually touch it, but you can get it close enough to get a good picture and leave a gift. Yeah, so just a little bit of history about who she was. Uh, She was born in 1883, was the only child of her parents, and her father was actually the manager of the Pulaski House, and that was one of Savannah's main hotels, and she was a guest favorite in this hotel. She would be seen everywhere. She'd be playing down in the streets. She'd be... Lightening up everybody's day and everybody's mood. Everybody just loved her. Everybody looked forward to seeing her. Unfortunately, two days before Easter in April of 1889, Gracie died of pneumonia at the age of six, like you said. Mm-hmm. And in 1890, when John Waltz, who we just talked about, moved to Savannah, he used a photograph to carve the life-sized statue that you will find in Bonaventure Cemetery out of marble. Her parents were really impressed with the likeness of her that he created. Actually, I, weren't they so impressed that they couldn't deal with it? Yeah, eventually they they left town. They just couldn't take the the grief. Yeah, 
And what I've heard about them is, is they couldn't track their records. Like the parents left and we do know that they separated, pretty sure that they separated, but don't know what actually came of the parents after that. So that story has been lost to history as far as I know. So now we're going to get to the part of the show where we tell you about the ghostly aspects of the cemetery. And it's not overly loaded with specific stories, but more so things that people have claimed to see and things that have happened here in Bonaventure. And like we said before, this cemetery has a ton of angels and cherubs. There are a lot of statues and every single one of them is terrifying in different degrees, right? <laughs> Maybe to you. They're terrifying. They're so not. there there are actually some that people claim that there's an angel that repeatedly changes its facial expressions. So it might be smiling, it might be frowning. And just looking at some of these, there's this one statue in particular, and I don't remember exactly where it is, but it's an angel, and it towers above you. It's like way over. Yeah, that one is a little scary. That one is the scariest thing in the cemetery outside of all of the other things. (laughs) You said Corinne was the scariest. I said outside of all of the other things. But yes, Corinne is definitely the scariest thing in in the cemetery. So people believe that this particular angel will transform and show sorrow, peacefulness, uh pain, anguish, but I think it probably just depends on, you know, how you're looking at it. It probably shifts. It's not like on the old Scooby-Doo cartoons where they pull the eyes out of the (laughs) painting and as you walk by, they follow you. Although I bet that happens in this cemetery. Bonaventure is also populated by statues that uh, have uh, the representation of the people who are buried there. So there are a lot of busts and things like that. So supposedly, um, these lifelike monuments have been known to come to life. Yeah, they say they hear babies crying, children playing. That's creepy. Ah, you said it. <laughs> you said it. So speaking of graves. I hear babies crying in the graveyard and there are no babies around. We've already heard a baby cry in episode one. <laughs> we did. And but- we still went there. So don't you be backing down. Well, there are a lot of babies buried there because a lot of children didn't survive. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't make it that far. Didn't even get a name. Most of them. They just say baby boy or something like that. Right. Well, be like baby boy and then the last name of the the parents. But Yeah. 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 So going back to Gracie, supposedly her statue has been known to cry tears of blood. Wow, I had never heard that. I haven't either, and I don't know how true that might be, but if it does happen, um, that's going to put it right back up there with Corinne in the running for the scariest thing I've ever seen in Bonaventure. So her statue is made of marble, so they say if you touch it, even though it's supposed to be cold, it's warm? Yeah, it's warm. It feels like human skin or the warmth of human skin. Yeah. And uh, we've also been told, hey, you know, marble retains heat. So maybe the sun has shined on it and it just retains heat throughout the night. Or it's possibly possessed by a demonic spirit. (laughs) Probably just the sun. Yeah, I'm going to go with the sun. Another thing people have claimed to experience at Bonaventure is the sound of a large pack of barking, snarling dogs. That's kind of scary. That would be scary. And that's what I would hear. 
if I was that gravekeeper coming to hear the hell's bells, <laughs> you heard that yeah, you're going to save someone at the death bells, and then here come the dogs. Here come the snarling dogs, and you're like, well, you know, next thing we're gonna have is a haunted headless horseman coming out here, so I might as well go back to the house and have an ale. You know? <laughs> so, I mean, I assume that's what an they drank back then, right? Ale. Probably while they were wearing neckerchiefs. Uh huh. Uh huh. Have you learned what a neckerchief is? I yet? did. Okay, that's very important. Thanks, Roy. <laughs> Okay, so another ghost story, and this one's not exactly tied to the cemetery itself. But she's buried there, which we mentioned, Mary Telfair. So Mary Telfair was a generous woman, supposedly. Uh, She died in 1875 and left her family's English Regency residence to the Telfair Academy of Arts and Sciences in Savannah, Georgia, which she established in her will. And that house is now part of the Telfair Arts Museum. But despite her bequest, she still remains possessive and in control and shows her displeasure when things are changed. She doesn't like people moving stuff around and she doesn't like people eating in the house. Mm. So um, she does not like her picture to be messed with. Yeah, she especially does not like it when you move her picture. Oh, yeah. They say that um, sometimes a sudden gust of wind will blow through the mansion. It's broken the windows before. Supposedly, at one point, the rotunda ceiling just crashed down through the new ceiling below it when a painting was moved. Oh. That's how mad you got about somebody touching that painting. Yeah, you better leave that alone. Another thing you're going to see on a lot of the graves in the cemetery, regardless of what the grave is, you're going to find a lot of little trinkets, toys, stones, Things like that strewn about. We just thought they were random things people left, although it seemed weird because I understand somebody going up to say somebody that was a loved one and leaving, you know, some memento as a in remembrance. But some of these graves we go to, the graves are very, very old. So there's no one alive today that would have possibly known these people. And yet, They'll have little toy cars, they'll have dolls, they'll have... uh, Little stones. Little stones. And so we were wondering, why do people do that? And I looked it up, and some people say they do that. Uh, I think Jewish people, that represents prayer. A veteran might go see his buddy and leave a beer there or something, you know, and so that means something significant to them. However, there is another reason this is done, we have been told. Yeah, we were told that it's actually voodoo-related, and you shouldn't move it. <laughs> Do not touch yeah, the if trinkets. If you see something somewhere, leave it. Yeah, mm-hmm. because that is the voodoo practitioners. They use the energy, supposedly, from the spirits to help them with their incantations and rituals, right? Yeah, and um, I'm not touching this stuff. No, I'm not touching it either. Okay, so... I believe that's going to cover everything about Bonaventure. We will probably revisit Bonaventure at some point, maybe in more detail with specific things. But we just wanted to talk about it because it's definitely one of the very interesting places in the Savannah area to hit. You can come here, get yourself a good tour guide, and you will learn a lot about history, and you'll get to see a very beautiful destination at the same time because there's a lot of history here to be told. Okay, so I guess we're down to the point of our episode where we go and talk about the snoring dogs that are laying behind me. (laughs) It's Layla and Coffee Talk. So um, this week, they've been pretty good. 
and we were sitting outside in our backyard, and all of a sudden we hear this giant rustling sound in the corner. Oh, yes. And our house is surrounded by palm trees. Picture an elephant crashing through a large bunch of trees. That's sort of That's what Layla. So they're both in the corner of the yard in a palm tree messing around, and then coffee comes running across the yard with a gigantic palm frond in her mouth, just bigger than she it is. It was like three times the size of her. And she's basically. carrying it around, and then Layla wants it, so she gets it and takes it to the other side of the yard, and then coffee gets it back, and they, they, um, they proceed to dissect it. They did, and it's in shreds all over the yard as we speak, right? It is, and I hope that it's okay for them to mess with palm trees. We need to find out. This is our weekly wondering what's potentially <laughs> what's going to kill, going our, to kill dogs. our dogs this week. You know, I don't know. Well, obviously, beer cheese won't do it. Thanks, Casey, for the beer cheese. The dogs love it. And I do know palm trees are not, in fact, trees. They're monocots. Yes, thank, thank Mike. you, Mike. But, Mike, are they safe? Let us know. Yeah, let us know. As long as they're not, uh, what's that Poisonous? Point? What's that oh, oh Sago Palms. Sago Palms. They're yes, the devil. do not let your dogs near Sago Palms. Yeah, we're going to do an episode on Sago Palms. <laughs> some point, they're that evil. So. <laughs> no. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us on this episode of Scary Savannah and Beyond. We want to thank you so much for listening. Once again, you can give us a call. You want to correct anything we said? Probably need it. 912 912-406-2899. Once again, that number is 912-406-2899. You can find us online at scarysavannahandbeyond.com or scarysavannah.net. Our social media sites are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and the username is at scarysavannah. And I believe that just leaves one more thing, right, Crystal? You didn't mention we have a Patreon. Oh, we do have a Patreon. I still haven't figured out how it works, but believe me, we're going to make it worth your time. So you can find our Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash scary Savannah. Join us next time in Savannah, where the ghosts and the good times live on. 